0: Um, but we've been looking at red letter, let, red letter uh, beyond the gospel words that come from Christ. You know these words that Jesus is speaking outside of the gospels. We've looked at Acts chapter one verse eight and the vision that is in that 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 we are we are empowered that He's filled us with power to be His witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And last week we looked at the reality that Paul there was a vision that God was calling him Saul. At that time, a vision God was calling him to, but God actually spoke to him how much he would suffer for his name. The reality that when we are doing God's work, we shouldn't be surprised if we suffer. That's kind of where we were last week. This week, it's the first Sunday of the month, and so we always do communion. Uh, And and I want to look at the words that Jesus has when it comes to communion. They're words that are outside of of the Gospels. They're words that are red-letter words that... that that he's given us as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm going to pray, just ask God to continue. God, we thank you for your anointing in this place. Thank you for the orchestration of the Holy Spirit and what you've already accomplished in this place. And I thank you, God, for the words you're going to continue to speak. I ask that we would have ears to hear, hearts that receive your word. God, I pray that we would yield ourselves unto you, allowing you to speak to us, allowing you to communicate that which we need to hear in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You recognize I often, I often read these words when we do communion. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Who spoke these words? Okay, Jesus did, but who spoke them to the church in Corinth? Paul, right? Now, this is going to surprise some people. Most profound thing you're going to hear all, all morning long, I'm going to tell you. Paul was not at the Lord's Supper. Right? We're all, we're all on the same page. So Paul starts this, this verse, these verses that we often use in communion out. He says, For I did what? I received this from the Lord, and then I passed it on to you. Paul was the one who was the pastor who got the church in Corinth going. Paul was called by God to minister to that church. And we'll see what's happening in that church prior to Paul reminding the church, hey, God spoke these words to me and I passed them on to you. So what was happening in the church in Corinth as, as Paul was speaking to them. What was going on in their church that Paul had to remind them what the Lord was speaking to them. In in, in, a, in, in the same chapter, just a few verses before Paul speaks, we see something. In the following directives, now if, if dad starts this way, you're probably in a bad spot. Now I can't imagine speaking to my kids this way, but hey. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, Boy, your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, and as a result, one person gets hungry or remains hungry, and another gets drunk. Paul is reminding the church in Corinth of what God spoke to him because something has happened in the church. They've been practicing the Lord's Supper and what's been revealed. Paul says, all I've heard about are the divisions that are coming up in the church. Now, if there's one thing the church does where we should be united, if there's one place the church can come where we should be together in mind, spirit, soul, mind, spirit, whatever you want to say, it's got to be the Lord's Supper, Jesus Christ in the, it, when, he was, when he was getting ready to be crucified, he, he had that meal with his disciples that was a revelation of what was to come, and he said to do it in remembrance of him. Yet, because the church was divided, the vision began to trickle down into the ministries of the church. And so Paul writes these words to a church church. That is divided. I'm going to, I, want to, I want to pause there because, man, this has been a tough week when it comes to division. I, I don't know many people that watched Monday night and were satisfied with what they saw. We had two people who were on a stage that could not agree with anything. Their, their moment on Monday night, the presidential debate, seemed to highlight the reality of the world right now. That we are so divided that I'm convinced we could not look at the same thing and say the same thing for whatever reason. I mean, I left that debate thinking, man, I just want to call someone who thinks differently than me and have a conversation just to prove it can happen. Like, seriously. Like, that's where my heart was after that. And then we proceed in the weekend. And we're watching these things. And, and then all of a sudden, the president is diagnosed with coronavirus. And, and I'm telling you, I was amazed at the division that came in that moment.
1: Friday I had to get
0: off the computer because I was watching as people were unfriending each other. If you've got any idea of social media... because of someone's physical diagnosis. And I thought, what are we modeling? I'm a parent. I've got four kids. And I recognized oftentimes what gets modeled, what is happening out here begins to trickle down and come into here, and then it comes into my home, and then it, and it can come into my family. And I thought with my kids, the last thing I want right now, the world, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's the civil things, whether it's the racial things, whether it's the virus, whether it's the, the, the political things, it seems to be that division is becoming okay. It's normal. You expect it. And as it becomes normal and okay, then I believe it begins to trickle down into the different parts of that society, whether it's the United States, and it trickles down into states, and then it trickles down into communities, and it trickles down into homes, and, and and it just keeps coming and coming. Paul's seeing that reality in the church. You know, there's divisions among you, right? That's where he starts. There's divisions in the church, and... It just keeps coming down. And because of these divisions, we can't even come celebrate the Lord's Supper together. You got that screwed up. Some of you guys are getting drunk. while other people aren't eating the thing. I mean, seriously. I can't imagine that's what Jesus was thinking when he was talking to his disciples. Here's someone. Get drunk. But because we've been okay, Matthew was talking about the gaps. But because we've been okay with the divisions, because we've been okay with the struggles, they just begin to trickle down. And they just become normative in all that we do. I'm not okay with that in the body of Christ. Paul apparently wasn't okay with that in the church in Corinth. I have to imagine as Paul's hearing about the church, he's crying out to God. I know Paul's heart for the church. He's crying out to God. God remind, this is Pastor Steve's moment. God reminds him of these words that he's taught the church. And he says, Paul, remember when I spoke to you about the Lord's Supper? Remember when I spoke to you about that moment? I said, for I received from the Lord, what I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, he took some bread. And he broke it. Now, I want to tell you something about Scripture. When Jesus breaks bread, something cool is about to happen. That's a clue. It's like a sign. So when Jesus breaks bread, we know that something incredible is about to happen. So at that last meal, Jesus is breaking bread. What has happened? These guys have seen Jesus do. Taking five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the the disciples to distribute to the people. When Jesus breaks bread, something exciting is about to happen. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground when he had taken seven loaves and given thanks. He broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people, and they did. We, we, we know the story of the fish and loaves that, that Jesus, on several occasions or on multiple occasions, took what was little and made something great. He fed multitudes of people with very minimal resources. So when he was breaking the bread, something exciting, something profound was about to happen. It was a signal of something profound. Jesus, uh, we see it in the Gospels, in, in, in in the book of Luke, chapter 24. He's walking after the resurrection, right? He's died. He's walking with some disciples after the resurrection. It's the road to Emmaus. They don't know who he is. They don't know what's going on. They get to the end of their journey, and they like, why don't you stick with us for the night? They're talking about all that was. The disciples had hope. They had lost their hope. That's where they're at. We see in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 30, Jesus does something incredible when he breaks bread. He was with them, or he, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it and began to give it to them. It says in the, in the next verse, And immediately their eyes were opened to who he was. I want to tell you in scripture, if Jesus breaks bread, something cool is about to happen. Jesus with his disciples, he said, the Lord, the last supper, he's the last meal he's going to have with them. It says that he took some bread and he broke it and, and, and he blessed it and he gave it to them. And I'll tell you, they were not very sure of why. John chapter 6, read the chapter. They start to ask Jesus, what? Why did you break the bread and give it to the disciples? Like they were, they were digging in to that miracle of Christ. So in John chapter 6, and I want to read this. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But, as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. Go to the next one. Nope. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. If we can jump forward just a bit to 48, I am the bread of life, he says again. Your ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. I will tell you this is a hard teaching for the disciples because it after they heard this, many of them left because it was too hard for them to understand. Jesus desires that we comprehend what it means for him to be the bread of life that was broken, that we could, if you read those stories, in those examples with the fishes and loaves, everyone ate until they were What? He ate until they were full. Jesus, knowing what he's done, knowing what's been demonstrated, says to his disciples, and he picks up a loaf and he breaks it before them. I've got to imagine if I've been there when Jesus broke bread, I'm watching. Those ones that might have been confused. Those ones that were still wrestling with this. Those ones that heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. They're watching him in that moment. And he takes this loaf and he breaks it and says, this is my body. This is who I am, which has been broken for you. The body of Christ was broken for you. Why? So that you could be full." The suffering on his body. I mean, how could we be all, all be full if the body wasn't broken? If the loaf's whole, how do we spread it around? We just pass it around, say, so everybody take a bite and pass it on. It has to be broken in order for us all to be fulfilled. That's what God desires for us to understand. He's speaking this profound truth about fulfillment. And there's a church, there's a people that are so broken, so divided, that they're talking about who can and who can't. That they're hating each other, not demonstrating love. And Jesus sacrifices what's being illustrated in that moment. How? Because it was okay. Because they were okay with it. The vision was just part of them. It says he took a cup. It was, it was the cup of the new covenant in his blood. And he offered that to them as well. In the same way, after supper, he took a cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Jesus said, hey, if you don't get the body illustration, let me give you the cup illustration. He gives you a cup, which is the cup of the What? Covenant? You want to talk about a trickle-down effect? Talk about covenant in this world. Talk about it to someone in biblical times, and it has a whole different meaning than it does today, because, you know, we don't get covenant, because really promises are made to be broken. Our words is only as good as it lasts. I mean, as long as you're in a room with me, my words one thing, but you go out of the room, I can say whatever I want, I can do whatever I want. You know what I'm saying? Kids, if you clean the room, yep. Walk in and it's a mess. I mean, that's the reality of covenant. The reality of, uh, of the, the 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 certainty of a promise, the solemnness of a vow, has been lost in this world. Jesus, it says in the book of Hebrews, he was he had become the guarantor of a better covenant that was God's promise to his people. The promises that God would never leave us or forsake us. The promise that God had a plan for you. The promise that God would reveal his truth for you. The promise that God had hope for you. It was revealed, the better covenant through Jesus Christ. But covenants in Scripture were identified by blood. The old covenant What sealed the the promise? It was the blood, right, of the animals. That was the sacrifice. He He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, through him, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleansed our consciousnesses from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ, who is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the unpromised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Hebrews chapter 9 continues, Just as people are destined... Destined to die once, and after that face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. I need a couple people. Can't come here, Brent, Brent or yeah, someone. Just pass these out for me real quick. No, this is not for the offering. This is for communion. And you know, in just a moment, we're going to take communion. And, and I know we do this a lot. Communion in our church, just in case you're wondering as we're coming around, we practice open communion. We believe that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you can participate in this moment with us. So please don't hesitate to take communion. But I want you to not open that just yet. I want you to, to just hold it in your hand. Sometimes... We lose sight of what we're holding, you know? It can simply be a loaf of bread, and it can simply be just another cup. It can simply be just another Sunday. This can simply be just another routine. This can can be what we always do. This can be everything that, that always was. You got one? But Paul, as he's ministering to the church in Corinth, he said, I received this from God. And I want you to remember this. You know, you guys, we can get to intercession right now. The brokenness that's around us. We can get to all all that's going on and we can go through these motions one more time. Paul is illustrating. Hey, what's in your hands? You didn't come up here. You know, you've got this. You've got to pull this cool piece of plastic back for these to work right, or something. There's a piece of bread in there. They call it bread anyway. It's supposed to be bread. It's symbolic of bread. I want you to hold that piece of bread. You know, usually when I take communion, what I do is I just put that whole thing in my mouth. But the verse that we've been focused on says, Jesus, Paul said, For I received from the Lord Jesus what I I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, and I was betrayed. He gave thanks. And he took the bread and he broke it. And as you break this bread before you partake today, I, I hope that, that the heaviness, the reality of the body of Jesus Christ that was broken on your behalf, the, 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 the promise that Jesus Christ, He was the bread of life, He was the bread of life that would, that would make, that would satisfy, that would let us be fulfilled was given for you. But in order for you to be fulfilled, that body had to be broken Jesus willingly let his body be broken so I can be fulfilled. You know, suddenly when I start thinking about what God did for me, what He did for others. Those dumb Facebook posts. Those foolish comments. They don't mean so much. Because His body was broken so that they could be filled. I'm going to pray. God, I thank You for the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for me. And God, I pray that just as as Paul received these words from you, I would receive the promise of the bread of life this day. The suffering that was endured so that I could be satisfied. So that I could be fulfilled, God. So that I could become part of the body of Christ. A body where you desire there to be no separation. God, I pray that we can receive what you've done. Let us partake of that. Got a cup. I'll be candid, not so good grape juice in your hand. It's not about the grape juice. What's in here is subpar. But what Jesus offered was perfect. He said, I'm the mediator of a new covenant. And the fullness of the covenant, the fullness of that promise is in this this cup. And that promise, it's been sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. (coughs) Once and for all. There's no greater cure for division. how God reconciles all men to himself. Someone can ask me politically, (coughs) how do we do this? (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. The body broken in my throat. Someone can say, what is the the cure for this world and the situation or climate that we're in, I will tell you this cup is the only way we can come together. This cup is the only reconciliation between Democrats and Republicans, between factions in this world. This cup is the only answer for that. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the promise of the new covenant that God, that God gave through His Son Jesus Christ. We can try talk but it's only through this blood. (laughs) this morning I'm going to have Pam sing because I can't talk anymore but I desire that as you partake of this cup Yeah, it's a reminder of God's covenant in your life. But it's also a declaration of God's covenant to His people. God's will is that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. God's will is that everyone would call on the name of Jesus Christ. This is a moment of intercession this is a moment of standing in the gap. I, I hope that as we receive God's covenant, I'm receiving His covenant for my home. God, I don't want anything that divides in my home. I'm receiving His covenant for my family. God, I don't want anything that divides in my family. I'm receiving His covenant for our community. God, I don't want anything to divide our community, our state, our land, our nation, our world. That's the promise. That's what this moment is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be defined by the division, but it's supposed to be determined by our Savior Gosh. Fighting because Kent got communion before me. Pastor picked him and not me. Come on, he's kept somewhere. Pam can sing, and can singing. I encourage you to pray and receive in that moment that you feel compelled. God I pray for our land. God I pray for our homes. God, I pray for our lives that have been surrounded by division. For our minds and our hearts. God, I ask that the blood of Jesus Christ, the only cure, the only answer, be revealed. God, I pray that I could sense the weight of this covenant, the fulfillment of this covenant. When I drink this cup, God, the promise of eternal life, the promise that sin has been defeated, the promise that I have an eternal hope in you is mine. Revelation that you'll never leave me. We'll proclaim your death until you come. Can we all agree division in the body isn't okay? You know, the Bible is pretty clear. If you have an issue with your brother, you go to them in love. Don't don't read into this. Don't make there be divisions. I'm just taking this moment to be a pastor. (laughs) You go to in love. We can't be okay with with brokenness. We can't be okay with division. We can't come to the table with all that effect trickling down. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He, toward, may he turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you be a watchman close the gaps. Amen? Be blessed.